So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting, the show that interviews experts sharing their own insights on the profession of consulting. On this episode, we're joined by Eric Jensen, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Predictive ROI, a firm that helps businesses, including consultants, monetize their position of authority. Um, now, this also includes a podcasting strategy, which I gather might also be somewhat aligned to the way we actually approach it here uh, with my own agency, uh, Spotlight Podcasting. So I'm looking forward to uh, an interesting discussion here. Thanks for coming on the show, Eric. Absolutely. I'm super excited to be here, Jonathan. And I was uh, I was excited about the same idea of ooh, somebody else who does some similar work and, and we can we can trade some ideas uh, and hopefully make each other smarter on this. So it'll be great. Absolutely. Um, so Eric, why, why didn't you kick off with a strategy or a tip, tool or approach that you think that people in consulting should probably know about that they might not? Yeah. So one of the biggest ones that I would really recommend, and we see this need all the time with the clients that we work with, is figuring out a way to leverage the conversations you're already having within your business every day and changing them and how you approach them, how you conduct them uh, so they can serve multiple purposes within your business. Right. And what, and tell me, tell me more about that. So taking basically existing conversations that you might be having with your internal team, with your peers, with your colleagues, with your, uh, with your clients or, or what are, is it all of that or is it none of the above? Is it specific things or tell, tell me? Yeah, we'll, we'll go with yes and. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you two, two really simple examples that I think would make it really approachable for, for everybody listening. So the first one is, we'll just use this podcast as an example, right? We just talked about we're both, we're both fellow podcasters and we, we help clients uh, with some of that work if, if it makes sense for them strategically. So most everybody in business is having sales conversations at one level or another. They're building relationships at one level or another. Why not turn those conversations into content that other people can listen to? So let's just imagine you take this podcast and you've identified a strategic partner. You're like, man, I'd really like to get to know them better. I think I could do some great things with them. They could do some great things with me. I want to have that conversation. Well, you could just call them up because say, hey, I want to get to know you. My name is Jonathan and let's, let's chat, right? Or you could say, hey, how about you come on this podcast? And I would love to share your smarts because I think what you're doing is really interesting in this area of your business. And I know my audience would be smarter for, for being exposed to it. And now you get to start to develop that relationship. You get to have that in-depth conversation for 30, 40, 50 minutes. And by the way, you're also creating content that's really useful for your audience you haven't had to spend twice as much time on anything. You've just changed the approach and you decided to record it so it's out of your head and down someplace else that it can be transformed. So that's a really simple example. And now some of your listeners might be going, oh, I don't have a podcast and I have no interest in that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and in that case, you can, you can look at some other examples of think of all the times you've helped a client solve a particular problem, right? And you get an email or a question, or you get a text with a question, or you get a question during a, a conversation and you go back and you're like, oh man, I got to answer this thing. Okay. You could write that really long email to them. That's fair. Or what if you just instead turn that into writing a blog post or better yet, turning that into a video where you're recording your answer. And then that video can then be stripped out. You can use the audio for a podcast and then you can transcribe it and you can turn that into the blog post. And all you're doing is answering the exact same question you were going to have to answer anyway. 
right? So I, I think when, when, we help, when we help our clients understand how their time can be leveraged with the right systems in place, for a lot of them, it's kind of mind-blowing because they're like, oh, I would have spent three hours doing these things anyway, but now I get to spend three hours doing these, these things and I get a month worth of content from it. Yeah, yeah. And and if I think of like some common objections, which is quite easy for me because that's why. Right, yeah. But, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, podcasting sounds like a really nice idea, but I'm just not, it's just not, for, I'm not the right person to be on the microphone. I'm, I I have difficulty, you know, communicating. Um, I, I'm very self-conscious when I get on the microphone. What what would you say to, to people in that kind of situation? Uh, yeah, so... We have a very specific definition for some stuff here, so I'll, I'll run through it. But the first thing I would say is podcasting is a tactic. It's not a strategy, okay? It is a tool. It is not the, it's, it's not the be-all and end-all of what you're trying to do. It's a useful tool in the right situations, but it's what we call a type of cornerstone content. So cornerstone content is something that is regular, meaning you're putting it out consistently <clears throat> and it's aimed at the the same audience consistently. Okay. It is meaty, meaning you can actually slice and dice it into other things. Uh, a tweet would not be meaty. <laughs> Generally speaking, it's hard to transform anything else. And it's not a one trick pony, meaning it doesn't live only in one place. So that one's a little bit tougher to, to wrap your head around. So one trick pony for us is imagine if you built your entire business around a Facebook group and Facebook decides uh, that group is no longer viable or we're closing them down, your business is sunk. So cornerstone content can live uh, multiple different places. So when we think about someone who's not interested in doing podcasts, we're like, awesome, that's totally fine right? Because all we care about is what do you want to do for cornerstone content? Podcasting is a type of cornerstone content. Video series is a type of cornerstone content. Primary research is a type. Doing regular blogs is a type. There's all sorts of different ways as long as it fulfills those three criteria. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Another um, objection I sometimes hear is, you know, people like, well, it's a lot of commitment, um, you know, to, to do a podcast and, you know, to do it week in, week out. Um, and also also just thinking back to the previous question as well. Sorry, just, you know, came across my mind that most consultants, like their job is talking really. So, right. so um, you know, usually like podcasting is one of the easiest forms of content creation, especially for someone where, you know, you spend most of your time trying to communicate ideas really. But sorry, going on to this, 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 this sort of follow on objection question, um, you know, I'm curious, like where people are think to themselves, I think some people have a preconceived notion maybe of like, oh, podcast means that I should be doing it week in, week out, you know, scheduling all the interviews. Uh, what, what do you say to people who, who feel like, oh, this is like a huge commitment? They're just not really, you know, sure that that's that they're willing to go in all in and that. So I'll address uh, kind of both of those. So first, yes, we find most agencies, coaches, and consultants, that's who we help, right? Most of them are very good at speaking. That's what they do, <laughs> right? And so again, when choosing your cornerstone content, a lot of times it's a question of, do you want to write or do you want to speak? Um, and if you speak, great, here are the options. If you write, okay, here are the options. Um, if you speak, the cool thing is with podcast, you're you need to be doing content creation for your company, no matter what. 
you're you're in a position of selling your knowledge as a consultant. That's that's what your that's your role is to sell your smarts. Um, and so you need to be able to showcase your smarts on a regular basis. So you're doing this work already. Um, the question is, are you doing this work in an unleveraged way, like we just talked about? That's totally possible, right? In which case, um, I would say, I think you should probably take a look at how doing a podcast could leverage your time more efficiently. And the second uh, thing is, is you might be handing it off to someone else. You might go, I don't have time, but we have, we have these writers who can do that. And, and I, would, uh, I would caution against that because uh, what we oftentimes run across is companies coming to us and saying, yeah, we've been doing this stuff, but boy, it feels like it's all over the place. Like we're making content, but it feels like we're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something is going to stick. It's like, well, of course that's the case. You're farming off your thought leadership to other writers, either in or outside of your organization. It's not coming from the people who are leading the conversations and, and have thought leadership inherently within the organization, which are those on the front lines doing consulting work themselves, right? Oftentimes the owners. Um, and so farming that out, you might say, yes, it's easier. Um, you're sort of correct. You have all of the work then on editing it and making sure that it fits instead of just the first time, making sure that it's exactly what you want to say and how you want to say it. And then being able to hand that episode off to a writer who are, who's going to nail it every time miraculously, because they're going to use your voice. They're going to use your words. They're going to use your insights rather than them making something up themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and if we just talk about, you know, the, the, the types of, of clients that you work with and the different kinds of consultants, can you tell us a bit more about kind of what common characteristics you find that they share? Um, what, what kind of profile they, they usually tend to, to fit? Yeah, absolutely. So again, we work with agencies, coaches, and consultants. That's, that's our, those are our verticals. Um, we like them to have a team of about three or more. Uh, because solopreneurs tend to struggle with some of this. They're a little bit too caught up in the minutia of the day. Um, and they run a company between generally $1 million to uh, $10 million. We've, we've worked with significantly larger organizations, multi-billion dollar companies, and they just uh, they, they move at a pace and a tempo that's a little bit slower than, than what we like. It's uh, it's steering too big of a ship and, and every decision takes too long. Uh, so we like, we like the, the smaller, uh, more agile companies and they do have a business. So they're not just the speakers. Um, so they have a business behind what it is that they're, they're teaching. Um, and they love to teach and they have a depth of expertise in their field. So if they have all of those characteristics, odds are pretty good. We can do some really good work with them. And I'm curious, like oftentimes, do you find that, you know, people come to you and they have uh, it's kind of a set idea of like, okay, this is the, this is what we need. But then you kind of get in there and you figure out, oh, actually there's a, maybe there's a root cause to some of these symptoms they're trying to fix. And there's something a bit deeper than this. Is that something that you've, you've, you've come up against that you've sort of seen? Oh, actually. Yeah. So, so typically our clients come to us and they know that they have a content strategy issue, right? They, they're aware of that. Um, but what they don't know is they don't know how to fix it. 
So it's a pain point that has been perennial for them, uh, perhaps for years. Maybe it's just the realization of, again, they've invested all, you know, all these years into creating this content. And then they finally like lifted their head up from the work and they went and looked at what was actually being created. And they went, what is this pile? Like it's all random. It doesn't, it doesn't serve our audience. It aims in 18 different directions, trying to help everybody um, with everything. And uh, for any of you that are listening and, and don't know the power of niching down, you should be niche down. So the more niche you are, the better. Uh, and that includes everything with your content, right? When someone, if I could take your content, pull it off of your website and put it on your competitor's website and no one would notice, that's a problem, right? Um, so, so when they come to us, that's kind of, that's usually the situation that they're in. We're working hard on this, but we're not seeing the results. We're doing all this work, but we don't, we don't really understand why we're doing this work. It feels like a heavy lift. We need to figure out a smarter way to do this. And the content that we're creating, honestly, it's average. It's generic. It's, it's not even, it's not who we are and it's not helping who we want to help. Yeah. And I'm curious in situations where maybe you might have, uh, you know, someone you're dealing with and they might be serving more than just one audience, but they're niche, but maybe they've got, you know, one niche audience and it's like nonprofits of this particular size. And then they've got the, um, yeah, I don't, I I, I love, I love when companies have this problem. (laughs) So how do you, how do you come up with messaging that fits those two very disparate audiences? That's, that's the challenge there, isn't it? Yeah. And it is a challenge, right? Um, so the, the, the first answer is if, if you're tied to one of them and it's not, I mean, check to see if you're even making money, uh, with one of those verticals, right? Because if you're not making any money with it, then maybe, maybe let it go. Or if you're like, well, I'm not making any money with it, but I really love that particular vertical. Okay. But then understand you can take on one or two of those clients a year and you treat them the way that you would, you know, a charity, right? You're giving away your services, use it as a tax write-off, whatever you need to do, right? That's, that's perfectly fine as well. Okay. Um, so, but let's, let's say both of them are profitable. So the, the standard wisdom that a lot of people try to apply to it is I have to be focused on the vertical as far as the industry. So what I would recommend is trying to flip your uh, brain around a little bit and, and think about it in a different way. What you're trying to do is you're trying to sit on a stool that has three different legs and no top. And if you sit on that stool, it's going to be very, very uncomfortable, right? So what you need to do is you need to find a top for that stool. Generally speaking, that is the problem that that knits those two industries together that you solve really, really well. Okay. So this is the problem. We usually call it like, what's your superpower or things along those lines. This is the problem where like, if somebody comes in with this problem, you almost like rub your hands together with glee because you're like, oh, we are going to knock it out of the park, helping them solve that problem. Well, odds are very good. In fact, it's it's almost unheard of that we don't run across when we're working with clients if they if they have multiple verticals that they still don't solve a core problem that they still don't have a core philosophy that they don't they still don't have a core um, method that they follow, right? So that solves for many of them that issue. And let's just say 
Well, no, they have completely different problems. They're completely different industries. All right. Then my next question would be to you is, do they share an audience? Right? Because if you're really, really good at talking to a particular audience and both of those verticals share that audience, that's actually the problem that you solve. That's your expertise. That's what you're bringing to the table that knits these two desperate, disparate pieces together and allows you to be able to talk about them. Now, ideally, if you're really niche down, you have a particular audience that you're really good at understanding. You have a particular industry that you're really good at understanding, and you have a particular problem that you're really good at solving. And if you have all three of those together, that's like the gold standard of being niche down. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I love that. Um, and and so for someone who is in a position where they they feel like that reluctance to like you know really niche down and they've they they're not quite leaning into lean, leaning into it. What what kind of words of advice would you have to someone who's? <laughs> we see it all the time. Uh, okay, so first off, I want to acknowledge narrowing down and niching down can be terrifying. Okay, so if you're an organization or a leader of an organization that is struggling with this, give yourself some grace. This is tough. If, if there's anything that we see businesses struggle with the most, it is this. It's the idea of walking away from business. And so there's a couple of things that I would recommend to reframe your mind. The first one is understand that niching is first and foremost about who you are fishing for. It's okay if something else swims into your net. That's fine. But niching is about who are you specifically looking to get as far as clients? Because if you're really fishing for them, well, they live at different depths. They live at di in different ponds. They expect different bait. They're you know active at different places and times of year. You have to gear your marketing around who you want to attract if you're going to niche down first. That doesn't mean you fire all of your, your other clients right away. That doesn't mean if somebody comes in and says, hey, I have a problem and I would love to work with you guys. And you look at it and go, we can solve that problem and we can do so profitably. You don't show them the door. It's okay to do that work, right? It's just the question of who you're aiming for. So I think that right there for many is a, is a bit of a relief of it's not about burning everything you've built today. It's about changing what you're aiming to get for tomorrow. All right. And then the other thing, and this is a little bit of a, a gruesome example, but it, it'll stick in the memory. So there's that. Um, many businesses, try to, uh, many owners treat their business like it's their baby. Um, and businesses are not babies. Businesses are grapevines. Okay. So what it feels like when you tell someone to niche down is that you're asking them to cut their baby in half. And they're like, why on earth would I do that? And legitimately, you would not ever want to do that, okay? But your business is a grapevine. You have to trim a grapevine to keep all of its energies focused on the most productive assets it's going to produce, right? You never let a grapevine run rampant just because you're like, look at all the growth. It's really big, right? Because in the end, it's going to produce poor output of grapes, so your business needs to be trimmed down. Your business needs to be focused 
on the things that you really want to produce and produce well. Otherwise, it's just a hobby. Right. And and that's and and that can be hard for people to hear, but that's the difference between businesses that really scale quickly and efficiently and are profitable and those who continually struggle. Yeah. That analogy reminds me of a book called The Pumpkin Plan uh, by hmm. an author called Mike McCann. I haven't McCandless. read that one. I got I got to read that yeah. one. <laughs> because he talks about a similar thing where it's like, you know, he he studied uh, farmers who grew pumpkins and he found that the ones that had these, you know, ginormous ones that would turn up at these, uh, you know, prize winning competitions, they're the ones who they didn't focus on every pumpkin. They, they found the pumpkins that were really flourishing and they just focused on those. And he said, that's the same principle you should probably apply to your business. It's kind of similar to your, your exact great exact same concept, slightly different, uh, you know, uh, agricultural example and, and his, like I said, less gruesome. So that's always a win. Uh, but yeah, so exactly. You need to focus on what, what's going to help you move forward and niching down is one of the primary tools that you can use to, to prune your business. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Fantastic. Um, and, um, are there any, are there any good resources of, of yours, uh, at predictive ROI that you would, you would point to people maybe checking out if they, they, um, you know, they're interested in kind of making sure that they're doing their positioning correctly, or, or they want to learn more about using podcasting in terms of, you know, delivering more, more ROI in their content yeah. marketing efforts. Yeah, we are we are uh, big fans of giving your best away. So um, probably the easiest things uh, for your listeners to be able to to really get a jump start on this if they're interested in in niching down and positioning and really developing that position of thought leadership um, is we do have a free book. And when I say free, it really is free, not like you know sign up and pay shipping and handling. Um, so it's it's just at predictiveroi.com forward slash free dash book. And when we say, and like I said, uh, we actually sent one of these to South Africa not that long ago, cost us a couple hundred bucks uh, to get it all figured out, but we're, we're dead serious. If, if you want the help, ask, because um, we, we love to be able to help businesses get past this. We know it's challenging. Um, the other thing uh, that they can do is they can just go to our website and they can join our free weekly QA. Uh, we teach for 10 to 15 minutes every time. And we open it up for questions. Uh, there's always a good group uh, and community there. It's a blast. It's actually one of the things I look forward to most every week. Um, and so that's just uh, on the website, or you can go to predictiveroi.com forward slash QA. Uh, and that's that's a pretty good resource as well. And then we, we also have produced our own podcast. We've got uh, over a thousand episodes on that. Uh, we're just launching our second podcast right now to be able to, to continue to help uh, and then we have all sorts of guides, tools, resources, you name it, everywhere. We we love to put stuff out to make sure it's helpful. Yeah. Over a thousand episodes. That's no mean feat. It <laughs> it it was a yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> and can I ask you, like this is this is out of my own curiosity, but something you mentioned is that you know you have Stephen like a lot of companies they have you know the spokesperson the person who's like the public face but i'm but i'm very interested you mentioned that you know steven does you know he does the podcast hosting if i'm if i'm right he does yeah and yep. whereas you're doing the podcast guesting i'm curious like what made you decide to split roles that way that you would you would do the guesting you would do the hosting is it 
Uh, so a couple of different reasons. One, so uh, for our business partnership, one of I, I have tended to be a little bit more behind the scenes uh, on the operations side and really uh, client success side and the strategy side, which I love all of those things. Um, but we intentionally don't want to build a business that's built around one person. Um, and so one of the ways to ensure that that doesn't happen is to make sure that multiple people within our, our organization are out and sharing their smarts. Uh, and this was an intentional decision for us um, to take some of my capacity and, and put it out that way. Um, and so we're, we're pretty big on what we call lanes here at Predictive. And so each one of us does have a lane uh, that is kind of ours to maintain and keep. Uh, because as long as we're focused on our lanes, we get more repetition. Yeah. And the more repetition we have in something, the better we get at it, the more efficient we get at it, the more we learn, the better results we get from it. Um, and so this made a lot of sense because it didn't make sense to have, you know, me from a hosting perspective start over at zero when Steven has done this, you know, 11 or 1200 times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, he's, he's done the repetitions. He's done the reps. Uh, so we want him to stay in that role. Um, but like I said, also, also still fulfill some of those other strategic roles. And, and the great thing is, is for any organization, uh, consultants are, are big on this, right? Again, sharing knowledge is what you're really about. Um, it's a fantastic way to be able to help your audience out um, and develop um, what Pam Slim calls peanut butter and jelly relationships. And so, like, I, I know at the very beginning of this episode, right, we talked about, oh, you know, you, you, you help clients with podcasting, like we help clients with podcasting. We don't view that as competition, um, because we're going to do it in very, very different ways. And we're going to help completely different organizations um, than each other. And so what we do is we look at that and go, awesome, here's, here's a chance to find another peanut butter and jelly uh, relationship, which is complementary and not competitive. Yeah. And, and so that just expands uh, everything that we've got as far as our reach. And, and hopefully we're doing it in a way that is super helpful for everybody that we touch. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. Um, yeah. I think it's great to, you know, open the discourse and, and not keep things, you know, uh, you know, behind, uh, behind covers or anything like that. Right. Yeah. We're, we are full transparency. It's one of the things that we're, we're big about. Uh, we use ourselves as guinea pigs all the time for our stuff. And, uh, if something doesn't work, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll give the results. So we say, this is, this did not work. And if something does work, we'll say, Hey, this is what worked. These are the tweaks that we're going to be planning next to see if we can make it work better. Um, yeah, there's marketing, as you know, is complicated. It's a complicated discipline and it changes constantly. Um, and so I don't think there's anybody who has the perfect answer. We all have the right answer for the right problems in the right situation, um, for the right people, right? Because not everybody can adopt those solutions, even if they are great. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, uh, fantastic. So Eric, um, I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Do you, before we uh, wrap up here, would you like to tell people where they can uh, connect with you online? Yeah. So, um, I, I, honestly, my favorite way, if you want to connect with me, join the QA. I, I know that that sounds weird, but I love being able to, to meet someone. 
Uh, and, you know, you compare that with LinkedIn or Facebook or things along those lines, those uh, seem really, really uh, shallow compared to, hey, hop on, learn, meet some other folks. Uh, and, and I would really enjoy that. So I would say that's the best way. Fantastic. Great. Well, uh, Eric, maybe catch you on one of these Q&As. And I wanted to say thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, this has been a blast. So thank you very much for the, for the time. Cheers. Cheers.